kind. Rewind. This is Dope Nostalgia. Hi, Dope Nostalgia friends. It's Naomi with episode 129. And on today's episode, Kendra and I, Kendra, you know, our good friend of the podcast, we do a lot of shows together, as you would know. Um, we are doing an episode about the Debbie Gibson album called Anything is Possible, her first album that she released in the decade of the 90s. And it's kind of an epic album. Like, it's got the first side's kind of upbeat, second side's kind of slow songs and ballads. It's long, which is fine because the songs are such high quality. For anybody who's ever listened to Debbie Gibson and knows only the stuff from the 80s, I highly recommend a listen, a deep dive into the album Anything is Possible. Kendra and I are going to dissect it track by track. But first, this is really exciting, dope nostalgia news coming up for you. Just check this out first. Hot off the presses. Adjust those rabbit ears. You got that antenna pulled up? It's time for some dope nostalgia news. <laughs> friends we're gonna have our very first exclusively dope nostalgia event online on saturday july 16th starting at 8 p.m eastern time we'll be going for a couple hours or so co-hosted by my friend raven aka dj cyberdoll from NK Airplay Radio, as well as that Wahlburgers chick, and Club Flabulous. She is going to be our DJ for the night, spinning some of the favorite tunes from the 90s. We're all going to have good times together hanging out and do it online on Zoom. If you want to register, all you have to do is email us at dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. That's dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Just say, hey, shoot an email. It just says anything. Hey, I want to come. I want the link. I want to join the Zoom. And we'll send you the link right before the date. So join us for a lot of fun and great music and getting to know each other. July 16th. It's a Saturday. See you then. Wikipedia moment. Anything is Possible is the third studio album by American singer-songwriter Debbie Gibson, released on November 20th, 1990, by Atlantic Records. The album features a collaboration between Gibson and veteran Motown songwriter Lamont Dozier, who co-wrote four of the album's tracks, including the title single. Stand Your Ground marked Gibson's final collaboration with longtime producer Fred Zarr. At the time of the album's release in late 1990, Gibson was 20 years old, and the late 1980s teen pop wave was near its end. The album was Gibson's first to not reach the top 10 on the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart, peaking at number 41 in the United States. It made the top 40 of the Cashbox Albums chart for one week, peaking at number 38 on December 22, 1990, before descending from the chart. The album sold fewer copies than her previous two albums, Out of the Blue and Electric Youth, both of which had gone multi-platinum. Now, just because it sold less doesn't mean a thing, because it's, in my opinion, one of the greatest albums she ever produced, wrote, and performed. Anything is Possible was certified gold by the RIAA. In Japan, the album became Gibson's second most successful release, reaching number five on the Oricon Weekly Albums Chart and being certified gold by the RIAJ. 
The album was released in March 91 in the United Kingdom, but stalled at 69. <laughs> 69. The title single reached the top 30 of the Billboard Hot 100 chart. The album was included in a 2017 box set, We Could Be Together, with two B-sides as bonus tracks. A special two-disc Digipack edition was released by Cherry Red Records on March 18th, 2022. This year? So the LP and cassette releases have unique labels on their sides. Side A is labeled Energy Up with an arrow, pronounced Energy Up, for its upbeat songs, while the ballad-orientated side is B, and it's called Mood Swings. Let's get Kendra on here, our good friend of the show, and we're going to talk about this album by the amazing, incomparable, talented, beautiful, incredible Debbie Gibson. We don't understand why Zoom asks you for permission to record because we figured out last night that you don't need someone's permission to record. Hence being, we James Jimmy passed out the other night on camera. Yeah. And so we took a video of it. Now, he would have been asked too if he, for permission, but he was passed out. Yeah. So he wouldn't have done it. So I took the video and everything, and it was still showed him in the video, and it still showed his or played his audio in the video. So you don't technically need someone's permission. Oh wow! Maybe that's just a legal thing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Maybe they have to state that it's there, but like, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind that's of funny. probably just a legal thing that says you've officially given permission. So you, once you've hit that, it's kind of recorded that you said it was okay. Kind of right. Thing. Right. That's my guess. You don't do shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we are again, Kendra, my buddy. We're going to uh, talk about an album that came out in 1990. Actually, surprises me because I feel like it came out later than that, but it was. It was 1990 from the incomparable Debbie Gibson, her third studio album called "Anything Is Possible." Yeah, this album was long. It was very long, <laughs> but I think for me, it's my personal favorite that she's ever put out. You know, I was looking up some of the reviews and a lot of people were saying that this is one of their favorites. Um, admittedly, I, I didn't really know any of her music before listening to this one. Like, um, I think she was just a little bit before when I started like getting into kind of the pop realm, I, like, yeah. but at that point I was listening to a lot of what my parents listened to and my sister, which is a lot of like classic rock eighties music, like eighties hair metal. Mm -hmm. My mom liked country. So she definitely mm -hmm. wasn't in the realm of music that I, I would have been listening to at that time, but I definitely yeah. enjoyed the album. It was definitely like a, bit of a departure from her sound because it was getting a little more streetish and more edgy and just a little bit less bubblegum. Okay. Yeah. I could definitely hear the bubblegum like vibes in there, but there was, there was some interesting, it was less. I thought. Yeah. And see, I have nothing to compare it to, but I also yeah. could tell that, uh, you know, there was some edginess to some of the melodic choices and chord structures and whatnot of this this album yeah. so i could i could see that things that i appreciate about debbie gibson um and i've said this before is she was the taylor swift of her era but with more vocal talent in my opinion like just that she was the one she recorded produced her own stuff 
wrote her own stuff, all of it. Um, she very rarely wrote with somebody else. She does write with Lamont Dozier on this album. Um, <clears throat> so it says here in the wiki that that was a collaboration and he was a veteran Motown songwriter. He co-wrote four of the album tracks. Um, other than that, I think everything was written by Debbie. Yep. All tracks are written by Debbie, except the four. I definitely got that Motown vibe uh, on a couple of them. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, she, she was miles ahead of a lot of her contemporaries for her talents and ability. Um, she plays piano at all of her concerts. She still does that to this day. But I remember getting, when I was first into Debbie Gibson, I was into Tiffany first. That was the first one I gravitated towards. And there was always like that pop princess rivalry that was put out by the media and the oh, record yeah. labels saying that the two so of them were, were like, like enemies. The, the Britney Con- Christina type rivalries, but back then. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they even, there was a time where they put pitted Paula Abdul and Janet Jackson against each other, was, which was not a rivalry at no, all because no. they were friends. Like, yeah, Paula she choreographed, choreographed for Janet. Yeah, yeah, she choreographed for her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So those things are always just put out to sell more records and create controversy yeah. that's not there. But I wasn't really into Debbie yet. I was more, I'm like, oh, I'm team Tiffany, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then I'd start listening to her stuff and I really liked it. And then found out, oh, she writes her own songs. Well, I found that inspirational because I wanted to write my own songs and got to listen to her stuff. And I was really impressed. And when I got this one in particular, anything is possible at the time, it sounded ahead of its time. Okay. Now, when I listen to it, it definitely sounds dated. Yeah. But at yeah, the time, <laughs> it was ahead of its time. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially if it was like the 1990, you said, right? So like you're coming yeah. out of the 80s sound, getting into that classic 90s sound. And like, that's something I said about this. Like, it's like a solid 90s pop album. Like you, you can hear just all the things that make 90s pop sounds the way that it does in mm-hmm. this album but i think that if if that if that's what you're saying it was ahead of its time like she was probably just like a pioneer of that kind of sound for like the female pop singer mm-hmm. yeah um it wasn't as commercially successful as her previous two releases which is something i never understood why because I thought it was just as strong, if not stronger. But I think that has a lot to do with just taste and times changing, right? Timing is everything with those sorts of things. You know, like it doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a bad album. It just means mm. that the the music industry t- took a turn where you didn't quite catch the train, <laughs> you know? Sometimes, yeah, exactly. Although I think that she did mature her sound with this record. So it wasn't like she was stuck in in a bubblegum pop world and hadn't grown up i think this album does show her growing up and changing a bit with what was musically current she was what like 20 or so when she did this one so that makes sense right like you're kind of getting out of that like older teenage phase and into like the young adult phase so she was probably feeling like different in that sense and wanting to write more mature things and not be stuck in that bubblegum 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 bubble. teenage bubble <laughs> bubblegum edit, edit. <laughs> no we'll leave that in 
have another beer, Kendra. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that bubblegum pop like sound, she was probably wanting to kind of get away from it a little bit, right? Oh yeah, I think everybody who is a teen um, star in music wants to show the world that they've grown up once, once they have, and yeah. that's, that'll never change. Some people go to bigger extremes than others, such as like Miley Cyrus, you yeah, know, classic but example. Yeah. Debbie never went to any crazy extremes. As far as I was concerned, she still stayed, you know, like, look at, uh, if you look behind me, you can't on an audio podcast, but the outfit she's wearing in this picture looked a little bit more grown up and badass, but she's not really showing any of her lady bits or anything like you know she's always kind of maintained a modesty to her not trying to sell herself sexually oh yeah wait that came later in the next album <laughs> <laughs> you know they always have to go at least one album in that direction <laughs> yeah no this wasn't a shocking album by any stretch it was the next album where she was trying to really grow up and that one was the music video for shock your mama <laughs> well, anyway. if the name says anything <laughs> yeah and even that wasn't shocking to me so maybe it's because i was a madonna fan <laughs> and by this time i already had seen what madonna can do and nothing surprised me anymore yeah anyway so track by track on this album there are so many and every song is like four minutes and something four like know, on average i know i was looking at that because there's like 16 songs on this and then <laughs> there's nothing that's like shorter than four minutes there's one that's even six minutes long i was like oh man this is like two albums it's where one. have you been yeah where have you been is a long one yeah so um okay so the first thing or first track on the album another brick falls i think is a good good starting track is that too loud it's a little loud there it's a good i think it's a good energy for an album kickoff I totally thing, agree. The unique thing yeah. about this album is that it was made in two sides. In two sides? All the, up, all the upbeat songs are side one, called Energy Up. Side oh. two is Energy Down. And it's all the okay. ballads. Okay. That makes sense, you know? That makes so much sense now. Because, like, listening to it um, in terms of, like, on um, a streaming site... I was just like, man, all of the upbeat songs are at the beginning and all the ballads and stuff are at the end. I was like, why wouldn't they mix it up a little bit more? I'm like, I would have wanted, but that makes sense, right? Cassette tapes were a thing. Sides, exactly. So energy, en and it was spelled like with the letters NRG and an arrow yeah. up, NRG down. So she purposely split the album in half like that. that. Okay, that makes sense then. That makes so much sense. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I liked this song. Like it has a really good beat. It's really punchy. And mm -hmm. it makes you like really want to sing along with that chorus, you know? Mm -hmm. And even those transitions, like the instrumental transitions, I found that um, they were even catchy. That bum, 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 bum. No, it's very good. Um, it's not my favorite song on the album, but I like it. It's fun. And it's, it's uh, for an intro song. It's great. Yeah. It actually reminds me of like a song that they would use in like the intro to television shows, you know, I <laughs> Kinda, could totally I could see hear that. it be a, uh, like an intro to something like that. Yeah, I could hear that. Oh, yeah. Would it be like an upbeat action adventure? With yeah. A little bit of comedy. Totally. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of. A little bit of like... comedy with that. Oh, 
That's funny. Um, so the second song was the first single on the album, which is the lead title track, Anything Is Possible. Yes. So this is actually the music video to it, which you people can't see at home. But I'll have a link to the music video in our YouTube page with all of our featured artists. That playlist will have this video. YouTube.com forward slash Dope Nostalgia Podcast. That's where you got all that good stuff. Cool, like, group dance. Kind of reminds me of one of those um, flash mobs. Oh, totally. With the amount of people dancing. I love that guitar that that guy's playing. That's awesome. I didn't see what kind of guitar it was. Was it a, it's not a Gretsch, is it? It kind of looks like it could be. I couldn't really see the headstock. I just like the, the body shape on oh, it. Was really oh, cool. I see. Well, that's not a Gretsch, but that's a nice guitar. One thing I noticed out of this video, Debbie Gibson is a very theater type of person. You can tell this, this, this is, looks like a theatrical release. Oh, totally. Yeah. It looks like a play. It totally does. And the way that they have the set set up, it looks like, like, like obviously story. it's on a soundstage. Yeah, but yeah, it totally looks that way. I haven't read anything about this video, but that's my impression of it. Is it kind of has that. Yeah, it but totally she... has that vibe, like a play think... vibe or. I think in recent years, she's done a lot of Broadway and plays and stuff. Honestly, I'm not surprised. Like her vocal ability lends itself well to that sort of style. Mm. Anyways, it's pretty cool. It's it's a pretty like mid-tempo, feel-good, sexy type tune. Totally. And it's not like like I said with her lyrically, she's kept it always very clean. She doesn't really write suggestive lyrics, at least she didn't then. Um so with anything as possible, it's just another positive thing. It's like just the phrase itself. Mm-hmm. You put your mind to it, right? Yeah, very uplifting. Track three, track three, reverse psychology. I remember liking this song a lot, but now when I listen to it, it doesn't have the same effect for me. It's funny how you can go back and listen to something that you really liked as a kid or as a young adult and then listen to it years later and it doesn't have the same effect. And I think it's just, it's a matter of you gaining more experience and more knowledge in like just in general in life, but also musically, you learn a lot as you go along and you learn what you really like and why you like things. And when you go back, you listen to these things and you're like, it's, it doesn't resonate the same way anymore because you're in a different headspace, you know? I just, I think it's for this one, I like the verse, the bridge, pre-chorus, whatever. It's the chorus I don't like anymore because she speaks it. I like the so, lyric, but I just don't like da Maybe it's because there, there's like a dynamic drop when that happens, you know? Like yeah. Instead of uh, amping up that chorus, it kind of is a letdown. It's the opposite of what most choruses are. Yeah. It's not I, the climactic point. The climactic point was the end of the pre-chorus there. Yeah. 
Uh, honestly, yeah, I totally agree because I think I thought at first like the pre-chorus was gonna go somewhere bigger uh, after that for the chorus, and it didn't. But it's got like that classy, like classic '90s drum and keyboard sound, which is always cool. I actually got some kind of like Madonna type vibes with her vocals, and maybe it's because there's that speaking part and just her tonal quality on it. Kind I could of hear this me. is a Madonna song, yeah. Totally. Like around like the like a virgin time though, like a bit further back. Yeah. Maybe True yeah. Blue album. Yeah, yeah. That's totally like kind of the vibe that I was getting from it. Okay, track number four, one step ahead. I like this chorus a lot. Yeah. When we get there. I know I was thinking, I'm like, there's a long intro to this. Like she has like those few little like vocal things that she does, but she doesn't actually get into it until almost a minute into the song. This one might be one of my favorites on side one. Actually, One Step Ahead. I feel All like- of these songs have a really good beat to them. So like they're good bops, you know, like really like this has a very you want to dance you hear that organ that sounds so paula abdul oh yeah it totally does yeah it totally has a paula abdul vibe the wild ones who produced paula i wonder if they were involved in this i don't think they were the wild pair oh they were the ones who were making that sound from paula No, but you know who did produce this? John Jellybean Benitez, who was instrumentally huge behind Madonna, Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson. (laughs) Yeah, he did a lot of work for Madonna producing. See, I knew it. I knew it. I'm like, this has a Madonna vibe. Totally. Yeah, this is like Paula and Madonna have the baby. Yeah. But anyways, like, like, uh, I, I liked uh, the beat in this song. Like, it really has like a good vibe to want to dance. And the ending, it has that like acapella ending that I thought was like a really cool thing as well. It is fantastic. So far, that's my number one choice on the album. So far, the beat tempo songs. Anyway, yeah. hey, number five Energy is up. "Stand Your Ground." I th- this was a, one of the singles too, right? No. I thought I read that it, there was a single for this one. Uh, that it was a single. I'm looking at the singles list and it's not on it. Um, this marked her final collaboration with her longtime producer, Fred Zarr, on this oh, track. Okay. So that was the last time she worked with him. You know what I found with some of the the songs on this side, um, and particularly this one, and like just coming from like a producing standpoint, I found like her vocal mix was like kind of further back in the mix, like where the music sometimes almost felt like it was too much for like where her vocals were mixed. Mm-hmm. And this one particularly, I found that. 
And I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but like, I, it just, it struck me as kind of odd. <laughs> I don't really care for this song. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. And honestly, it's, it's, if you look at the streams on like, like Spotify, it's the <laughs> least played. So I think that's yeah. kind of like all across the board that it was, it, it wasn't my favorite either. Okay. Like, and like, but yeah, I was very like, very much listening to like the production and i just found it odd that her vocals seemed so far in the like the background almost because i was just like oh i thought that like they would sound a little bit more forward um like the melody is fairly catchy and like i like the harmonies but uh yeah it wasn't my favorite no that melody doesn't grab me at all Uh, you know and I, i was wondering if like the melody like but that's why i started like kind of looking at the mix of it i'm like am i not is it not grabbing me as much because of the mix or if it's the melody line maybe but uh yeah definitely wasn't my favorite i find it interesting when an artist has more than one producer on an album what are you gonna get you know like sometimes it's fantastic and shows tons of diversity and sometimes it's like even the mixes are all if the mixes are all different right it can be weird it, it can kind of put a damper in like the fluidity of their album i find Mm -hmm. and like like i said that one it was very noticeable to me but then like you listen to the energy downside and the mixes on that i thought were way better sounding so i'm like Hmm. it it just it struck me as kind of (laughs) odd energy downside i think really showcases her as a singer a lot more obviously i mean that's the way it is usually ballads always do that yeah, but like the thing is, is too there's there was opportunities in those like energy up ones that like gave her that freedom to showcase it. But I think too the mix plays a lot in it as well. And I just found that the mix for those ones were a little just cleaner, and her yeah. vocals were a little bit more forward sounding to me. Okay. All right. Just making sure I was still recording. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we move on to number six which is called Deep Down. Just from the title, Deep Down, I don't remember it. Ooh. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. She breathes out a lot on the end of, of uh, phrasing, hey? Yeah. yeah. I've always loved her vibrato. I said the same thing. I'm like, she's got a beautiful vibrato and she's got a good range. Like those high notes are clean. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sax solo. Yes. Yeah. I literally put in my notes, sax solo. <laughs> a staple of the times. Right? So It's so 90s, yeah. Late 80s too. Sole. This is a good like transition song from the 80s to the 90s because there's like kind of the best of both worlds essentially in this song, I think. Yeah. I was surprised though because with that opening, I thought it was going to be a ballad and then she cuts into this beat and I'm like, okay, happy surprise. <laughs> Actually, I really like this song. I gotta remember the how the chorus goes, of course. I remember now. Ah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's a yeah, fun one. I, li- I like this one. I thought it was a good one. I love that opening. It really showcased her vocally. Because, uh, uh, you know, I could hear that she had, like, that kind of range in some of the other songs. But this one just, like, really showcased it for me. I'm like, okay, yeah, she's got some chops. Especially if it's somebody who's hearing Debbie for the first time, you're not really hearing her yourself for the first time, but you don't know much about her. So kind of interesting to see how she is as a singer, right? Right. It kind of validates what I said about her being like a better vocalist than Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, I a hundred percent agree. Like yeah. she's she's got some good chops. Okay. It must have been my boy. This sounds like a a song that would have been on Jam in the Holograms. Totally, yeah. I love that bass line. It's so, like, catchy. Jam is my name! (laughs) (laughs) I like the horns. I was thinking the same thing. I said that, too. Horny horns. (laughs) Horny horns. this one's a good one i think it's uh like the instrumentation totally makes it like the, that horn section the bass line and then like the melody over top of it. it this one stood out to me like up until this point listening to the other ones that's such a dem in the hologram song oh my goodness <laughs> yeah it's a decent song it's all right yeah yeah, it, it stood out to me. I think just because like in listening to it the first time, because I tried to listen to it twice. I think mm-hmm. I got through it one one and a half times because it was so long. <laughs> Couldn't finish it um, mm-hmm. before we started recording. But um, for the first time around listening to it, by this point, I had kind of found that like all of her songs were starting to kind of sound similar to me mm-hmm. so like they weren't standing out individually yet to me but this one when i heard it it immediately sounded different to me but okay. then like going back and listening to it a second time i could pick out some of the differences in the other ones but to listen to it the first time around i'm like i feel like this is kind of all sounding very similar but this one like yeah that, that opening bass line and that horn section was really what stood out to me I believe this next one is the last of the Energy Up songs on side one. So this is uh, the eighth track called Lead Them Home My Dreams. Lead Them Home My Dreams is interesting to me as a title because I was expecting part of that to be in brackets or parentheses. Yeah. But it's all written like one sentence or one, one sentence. phrase. I re- and this, this one's a long one too. It's like five and a half minutes. I like this song a lot. It's either this one or One Step Ahead that's my favorite of the upbeats. Some people said some shoes not to one step. 
<laughs> I think it's because I love that harmony. I love harmony. That, honestly, there's some good harmonies in in this album altogether. This one I found interesting because, like, listening to the rhythm and like the drums and the clapping at the beginning, I automatically thought that the the melody line was going to be more of an up tempo and then she has these like long drawn out notes to start i'm like oh that's different that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah no that's a i thought i would say that's one of my favorite songs on the album yeah it's, it's a great tune it's uh super catchy and like with all of these ones on the energy upside they mm -hmm. they all have a really great beat like the rhythm section is fantastic on that that side After these messages we'll be right back guess what friends i have a new voicemail number just for you give us a call at dope nostalgia our number is 780-851-8785 leave us a message Pick up the phone just like you used to in the old days. Remember before text messaging? Yeah, we used to actually call each other. If you just want to be heard and be on the podcast, give us a call. Once again, our Dope Nostalgia Hotline, 780-851-8785. Pick up the phone. Remember, this number is Canadian, so long distance charges may apply. Cool, man. Hey, listen, yeah, it's your boy Nitty Green. It's your boy PIE. And I'm Dee. And we are the Bob Sessions crew, y'all. Listen, do us a favor. Stop by every Sunday night, man, on Facebook at 7 p.m. Tell them what we're doing. We talking life, love, and music. <laughs> of course. I think Dee didn't quite know what we were doing on our sessions. But it's cool, about? It's cool. Listen, <laughs> listen, man, like and share our page at Vibe Sessions Official on Facebook, and also go over to Instagram, right? And let's build that page as well. Let's build Same it. Same thing, at Vibe Sessions Official, man, we're here. Yo, we're here, we love y'all, man. Peace. Thank you love for you. your support. Thank you. Peace. When things get tough, remember, Shake and Bake makes it easy to treat your family to plump, juicy pork chops without frying. Why fry Shake and Bake? We're going to go on to energy downside, which means these are the ballads, the slow songs, the time your ear hurts to break. <laughs> um, I'm very sure that the first one on here on side B, uh, number nine, this is such a gorgeous ballad. This was one of my favorites on the album that I, I found off the bat. I loved it. It was a piano song. So I've been I'm trying to find to. if this I could ever get the song on karaoke because it's so beautiful. Debbie Gibson knows how to write a ballad. <laughs> yeah. I was automatically drawn to it because it's piano and I love piano songs. Come with me to a place where all is free. No one to tell you what to do. How to tell me your feelings just she really does breathe those notes out, hey? It's really noticeable on this song. I know 
right there. Like she, she does it on their shorter phrases. Yeah. That vibrato, so good. Yeah, it's just very, it's paced so well. Yeah. Cause they don't understand. All alone. I want to be all alone. Sharing my heart, my home in your arms. Oh, that's so pretty. Yeah, it, it really showcases how great of a singer she is. Like those, the quality of her voice, the vibrato, and her range. One thing I noticed about how she hits notes, especially when she's singing a ballad, is that I think she's a very classically trained vocalist um, because she'll hit a note with vibrato immediately instead of just tailing off the end of it. Yeah, rather than, yeah, that's very much a pop thing to, to hold out a note and then add it at the and end. tail it off, yeah. And it, and it is a very classical thing to just have that vibrato throughout. And it, it definitely takes work to not do that. <laughs> yeah, I, when I was taking vocal lessons, I was going to uh, a, music school in here in Edmonton that uh, was primarily known in the year I went there for being super jazz orientated. So when you were taking your vocal lessons there, you were learning the jazz style of singing. Yeah. And it was, I was always taught, yeah, you got, you got to hit the vibrato right when you hit the note. And I had uh, trouble with doing that. Um, And then later on, (laughs) later on, when I started actually recording my own music, and I'd go into a studio with a producer. Producers were telling me, unlearn everything you learn there. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't yeah. like dealing with singers from that particular school well, because, because of that. Like you want to be able to control that. And see, I was the opposite. Like before I went into lessons, um, I had vibrato on everything because mm-hmm. I just naturally did it. And uh, then when I went into lessons and my teacher was like, you don't need to do vibrato on every single note. And I'm no, like, it's too much. I didn't realize that I was even doing it. <laughs> and so, and then she was like, no, you need to see if you can control hitting straight notes. Right. But it's, mm-hmm. it's better to know you can do it that way, but pull it back if you, if you can like, and have that control. Right. So. Yeah, no, it, it just depends what genre you're recording too. Like if you're recording yeah. pop music, you should sing it like a certain way. Yeah. But yeah. that being said, people should do what they want. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's true. going on to the second song. Well, it's technically song 10 on the album. The song, sure. This is another awesome ballad. Yeah. Debbie Gibson's a prodigy of writing. Yeah. I'm guessing that she played all the piano on on these. I'm guessing she's a pretty good yes. piano player too. I think she got like super like classical trained as a child. 
you can hear that as soon as i heard her vibrato i was like yeah she sounds like she's got some classical training but that's why i think she it lends itself well to like broadway sound if she has done that totally fits that well I'm this is one of the, the popular person. ones on spotify hey like, i think yeah. this is the most popular one this might have been a single it was a single yeah This part to me sounds very 70s carpenters. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I could see that. This, the chorus. The chorus has a very like 70s sound to me. It's got some good harmonies in it. Yeah. But I really like the verse. The melody of the verse is really cool. Yeah. Okay. So from okay. shirt to. Negative, negative energy yeah oh fuck this is negative energy is cool definitely different than the other ballads it, I think. yeah it definitely stands out um once again really good rhythm that hi-hat and then the bass drum comes in and It's very simple, this very simple how it but it builds up. It totally does. What does this remind you of? good vibe it's cool i i dig that song a lot and it's something you know, i could still put on and enjoy now yeah totally well i like the vibe because like it's funny because to read the the name be like negative energy like you automatically think oh like it might be kind of like a darker sounding maybe have some minor Downer. chords and then it's got this upbeat and then like is it uh, even in a minor chord no it's not but like then the <laughs> line came up that uh uh says uh no negative energy so like the whole thing is about being positive and i'm like that's that's cool because the instrumentation <laughs> totally matches that vibe right like no negative energy you know be positive yeah. so so far i'm finding that i'm enjoying the ballads more than the up tempos on this album and I'm usually I, a big supporter of up-tempo music. But I agree. I loved a lot of the ballads on this. Like, like the beats and whatnot on the upbeat ones are great. The, like I said, the rhythm section's great. Um, but I think just melodic-wise, I am enjoying a lot of the ballads that yeah. are on this one. Gotta love the chimes on an intro. When you chimes know, start on an intro, I never know what song it is. <laughs> you never know what it's going to be. Yeah. But you know, it's cool too in the mix if you're listening with headphones on, like, and it pans from one side to the other. And that's yeah. really cool too. Very nice. 
as as exciting as some of the other ones not not really but later on i think there's like a male background singer that comes in that i like that contrast with her oh yeah there he is oh who am i kidding i love it Honestly, the vocals in the background for me on this one were like, that's what grabbed me. Like at first, like listening to the beginning melody, I'm like, okay. Mm. But then when that, when that male voice came in, I'm like, oh, that's a really nice contrast for like, for her and this, like, you know, in comparison to the other songs, having that kind of deeper sound, uh, rounded out her harmonies and they sounded really nice. Mm -hmm. No, I definitely love that one. Um, I think there's four songs left. We've got Try. Actually, I don't remember this one. I will once it plays. Harmonies right off the bat. Yeah. criminal how good she is mm-hmm. once again this song really showcases her vibrato so nicely i need to get to the chorus the ending is really great too she hits a really fantastic note at the very end maybe i'll just zoom it over there yeah well it's just such a nice powerful like open vibrato type note i'm like that's a great note to end on you know Mm -hmm. she makes it look easy yeah (laughs) well and like you really get a good idea of the strength behind her voice because and like this is what i was saying before with like the some of the upbeat songs and just also with the mix like not being as forward for her it kind of made her voice sound thinner than it actually is Whereas like mm. when you hear this ballad, you really get to hear her chops. You get to hear how like, like her vibrato is nice and heavy and full sounding. And then that last ending note, I was like, hell yeah. Like that's, that's a way to end a song. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that sentiment, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it showcases yeah more of the fullness of her voice for sure. Yeah. Um, In his mind, number 14. 
I really liked this. This one's like a minor. Yes. This is a darker feel. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. That's why I, love, I, started, I, I was keys. like, oh, this is different. Oh, I love minor keys too. Yeah, this I, I really like this one. It's a great departure from that like um, major chord pop sound that she's had throughout the entire album. This one has like just a really cool darker tone to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you yeah. can sense there's like a lot of suspicion and a lack of trust and not really knowing what's going on and you feel that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I like songs that you know, can take the lyric and represent that in the musicality as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really liked that one. Second last, number 15. I love this one. Where have you been? Yes. Where have you been? Six minutes long, the song. Oh, shit. <laughs> Never made it to radio, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't Not think without it was getting signal. chopped to shit. <laughs> no way. So it's gonna be a big, huge intro. Let's go through it. I love her breathiness. It totally is her her sound, you know, like it, it makes her stand out that that aspect with her voice, you know. It's cool. Uh, yeah. That's another one that's, I don't know what key that is, but it's, it's also sounds a little bit darker too, though. Yeah. More like, suspicion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where have you been? Of course, uh, it's got a little bit of a suspicious tone to it. But those two songs um, go together nicely in the placement on the album. Absolutely. In I his think. mind and where have you been? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like where it goes in the chorus too. Mm hmm. Definitely of course, has great. that has that drama in the musicality. I and don't want to hear it, but the truth. Space and then the thing. <laughs> we were just in my previous uh, interview today for the show. Um, we were talking about how music sometimes goes through these periods where it just comes at you. Producers are just trying to create this huge wall of sound that just comes at you. Yeah, you try to be louder and louder and loudest, and 
people are forgetting that there's so much magic and so much said in spaces in leaving blank spaces, allowing that space to breathe. Yeah. Breathing. Yeah. Allowing, yeah. Allowing air to flow through the song a little bit because sometimes things are just a wall of freaking sound at you and it's just too much. Well, especially like depending on like the, the narrative behind what the song is about, you know, like Mm -hmm. sometimes too, if you're it, like, if you're, especially in a really emotional song, you need that breath to process like mm-hmm. what you're listening to, you know, and, and in a good way, in a therapeutic way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that art has been lost a little bit on current music. Yep. Cause it's all about the sounds now and like a lot less about the intention and, and the emotion behind it. But I think this is like, you know, being a nineties music podcast, this is something that I really, really loved about the nineties and how, it really leaned into expression and allowing that space for the expression to be told in the melodies that are being written, the musicality behind like how things are being written. And, and sometimes it's not about having all of this noise and all of this music. It, sometimes it's about the lack of and, mm-hmm. and allowing that space and allowing that one instrument to tell that part of the story, you know? So I totally agree with that. Do you think that that's something that was different in other decades before it or, yeah. or something that was more exclusive to nineties music or. Um, like I think nineties, it just like, it leaned into it more. Cause like there was definitely some emotional expressive music in the eighties as well. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you look at, at the progression through the nineties and the different, um, changes to sounds in the different genres across the board if you look at you know the pop music and in listening to the way that she's written these songs and like just in the music alone you already have that vibe on what it's gonna like what it's supposed to feel like Mm -hmm. you know she creates that suspicion in the musicality but then you also move to like 90s country and there's a lot of expression in 90s country as well where like some of my favorite songs that really hit me in the gut with emotion come from the 90s country scene or vice versa you go to the um grunge era and mm-hmm. like they were very very much leaning into expression to the mm-hmm. point where they were even going so far to compromise no, smack their- you in the face with expression <laughs> yeah, and well, and also compromising like the technical aspect of like singing or even how they played their instruments. Mm-hmm. It was all about getting what you had to say across in a way that you really like tangibly felt it. Yeah, and, yeah, I I can totally not, see not that. pretty and polished, but no, right? Yeah, pretty and polished can be boring sometimes, and. uh it's good to have something a little rough and raw around the edges. 100%. One song, and this one also was a single because it's got a video to it. The so-called miracle. I thought this was a great ender to the album. It's such an odd intro to the song too. It is, yeah. It has a weird feel to it musically. So this video takes place in it like a 
1953. It's like in a deserted, empty ballroom after a big party. It looks like it's either like a grad party or like a New Year's party. Yeah. Balloons everywhere. I really liked um, vocally what she does in this song. She even growls a little bit. Yeah. I think. It really showcases uh, some different tonal qualities. This song doesn't have like a definitive verse, pre-chorus, po- chorus. Well, it does, but I just find like the song builds and builds and builds. Like they're modulated. Yeah. Yeah, this is, I think, I put down that, I think it's like a singer's song, because, like, it does have a, a different kind of structure to it, but vocally, it goes so, so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, how does it end? Let's just play it at the end here. Let's hear her last notes. Oh, it's a fucking fade out. <laughs> if there's anything that irritates me in music, it's, fading it's out songs song. that are faded out. Well, especially because like vocally, she goes so many places in that. I'm like, I would have loved to hear like a big drawn out, long belted note at the end of it. But I actually I... really liked that one. I liked the 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 rhythm and the melody like kind of changed from listening to these other ballads. Like it was still kind of like in the ballad esque range, but it had a little bit more rhythm to it. The nice thing uh, overall, this album I think was extremely creative of her. I'm glad she put it out because I think it's probably one of the most solid things she's ever released. But that being said, I haven't heard many of the more recent releases. Yeah. Within the last 15 years, but that's an album she can be proud of. Anything is possible. Oh, Very yeah. much. So. 100%. Um, there's some really, really great songs. Well written. Um, she's writing ahead of people her age, in her age group. Like, she's just, yeah, she well, is she a, so young, a phenom. You know? Yeah. She's a, pro- a musical prodigy, and she deserved all the success she had. And I hope that people still listen to her and appreciate her in the same way with that same respect. Oh, for sure. Because, yeah, vocally, like, she's fantastic. Like, really, really wonderful singer. Mm-hmm. Hey, kids, put down that Tamagotchi and listen for a second. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.